it's a kind of like, you know, uh, idea that they're the bosses, they have to be right. And we are like low and we have like no rights. We cannot like go against them. Um, so we're trying to persuade that this is not right. And we're trying to get more strippers in the union. And I was trying to recruit uh, the girls in the place I used to work. Uh, we're throwing the events. Uh, we're like running social media, regular meetings. So we are gathering bigger and bigger group of uh, sex workers from like different industries. But we're like focusing firstly on strippers to start the revolution with them. And uh, it was fun as well because uh, we were uh, like, uh, yeah, we we're trying parties when we were like performing or having some social events or like sort of workshops where we could just learn from each other. Um, so it was, it was amazing time. And I've met so many uh, great people. It's really great to hear you talk so positively about the organizing being fun because I think an impression that a lot of people have about activism is it's boring people sitting in a brightly mm. lit room on chairs and it's always one guy who's talking about Marx or whatever and it's really dry. You know, there are people like this, but I think like you cannot expect something like that from sex workers because they're like uh, kind of like entertaining people themselves, I feel. Of course, we have like introverts and stuff and not everyone will be like, you know, coming to the events or whatever. Uh, but uh, we, you know, have this kind of like energy, I guess. At least this is what I felt being in the union. Hello and welcome to Poll the Other One. I'm your host, Chan Doxy, and like a new trick you're attempting with more ambition than skill, in this episode, we're getting stuck in to the politics and also fun pole dancing stuff. Sonia Nowak, who performs under the stage name Electric Girl, is a Polish pole dancer, stripper and sex worker activist who was the first UK stripper to win an employment rights case where she was legally recognised as a worker. She brilliantly explains how strippers are in this paradox where you're a freelancer with none of the advantages of freelancing and also a worker with no workers' rights. She's been campaigning with the Sex Workers Union United Voices of the World to change this, as well as being an activist for abortion rights in Poland and an amazing mix of other feminist, left-wing and sex worker collectives. Plus, we talk about how her own creative pole dancing routines for stage shows are completely different from dancing in a strip club and the different styles that you need for both. Electric Girl always serves this with an underscore of techno music, which, as a little Euro kid from the suburbs of Belgium, I fully appreciate. It's a fab episode. Please share it with people who'd like to know more about sex worker activism from someone with the actual lived experience and insider knowledge. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to help me keep making it, you can support the pod by going to patreon.com slash shandoxy. You can leave a tip by buying the pod a coffee or share the love by giving us a shout out on social media. That is amazing. We love all of it. Thank you. For now, here's Electric Girl. Hello, Sonia. Thank you so much for making the time for this interview. I know that you are super busy at the moment, so I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show. Can you tell me about your experience as a dancer? So how you learned to pole from the offset and yeah, how it got from the beginning to where you are with it today? Uh, so I started in a strip club. Um, it was just like... Um... Kind of like random thing that I uh, happened to be in the industry, but it was just suggested by a friend uh, who knew I was passionate uh, about dancing because I was doing lots of like different styles when I was a kid, like Latin dancers and some disco dancers, hip hop, blah, 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 you know. Cool. Um, 
And then I started uh, studying after high school in another city when I moved. And um, yeah, he just was like, you can try, you will maybe like it, maybe not, but it's a good way to making money. And I just love it from the very beginning, like being on stage and stuff. And I've been learning stuff mostly from uh, the strippers. I've been having some, you know, um, private classes with uh, girls who are, for example, uh, teaching also outside uh, the strip club or in the mm. strip club. Uh, and then uh, I guess when I moved to London um, 2016, I started doing more um, of full-time job because back in Krakow, I was working uh, on the weekends, you know, um, and I was studying daily and I started working full-time in London and then I also went into performing and I started taking like a few like you know classes with Tequila Rose uh, or Session Diamond so you know top strippers uh, in London actually well in UK I would say Um, and uh, I've been doing loads of training myself like like 90% of the work is just from you know uh my own training so when you were learning in clubs would you be learning as you were doing your stage show or for example on more quiet nights would the other dancers be teaching each other when there weren't customers was it a mixture it was everything so we've been training uh together when the club was empty and then when i wanted to try any trick of course i had to do it in front of the customers because (laughs) that's the best way to you know break your fear and gain some self-confidence and so yeah experience is the best practice (laughs) there was a really cool woman who um she was a dancer when I was working in Sunset and she was she was a kind of mixture of she'd learned pole from stripping but then in the rest of her life she was a personal trainer doing competitions she was like a real mix of stuff and every Monday before the club opened for 10 pounds she would just teach the other girls pole for an hour and it was so cool and like it was you know a tenor she wasn't really making money she was just really cool and wanted to help the other girls make more money when you're actually dancing in a club is it different to the style you would use in a cabaret or another style of show a good question uh music wise it's always the same so it would be always some techno electronica uh sometimes some alternative rock um as for the moves uh i would be more i would say not sexual so mm-hmm. in strip club i would touch my body more i'll be doing more of this like kind of like slow sexy movement when for example I just uh you know literally stick my ass into the paces that are in front (laughs) of me uh or you know bending over very very slowly or arching back like super slowly and just too much so you can feel your spine breaking (laughs) just to you know (laughs) expose your tits um so I'll be doing lots of this kind of things like I don't know licking my fingers and kind of like presenting myself really horny um Mm. And it will be dynamic as well, but uh, I would say it will be consist. It will it will be built of less tricks. Um, so I guess when I'm performing uh, for uh, some events, at some parties, uh, I'm focusing more on some wow moves, some pole tricks, and of course, of course, it goes with like the whole stenography of me wearing the costumes and having Mm. some props and um you know um decoration whatever um so i would say like this style that is like very like popular on classes like this kind of like so-called exotic dances or uh sexy dances i don't perform them because i just i'm just so bored of them i just Mm. have them in my day-to-day life so when i'm bring on stage um when I'm producing a show and it's not for strip club, it will be always, um, it will be always different. I can say like this, Mm. when in strip club, I would rather play a person who is um, like really focused on senses. And when you're performing in strip club, 
and you've got an audience of horny slash drunk and or you know high guys and you want to entertain them but also get some sort of like um connection get their interest you kind of need to get to know them a little bit so Mm. um you know playing a horny person will always play good but also being funny sometimes being silly you know as well um but this is the kind of like thing that you need to work out during your shift because if the crowd is just a massive, I would just the regular. I will just do the regular show with you know, kind of like bumping music and um, you know some nice tricks and you know being sexy. Uh, mm. But yeah, when I prepare a choreography and act, then it's like loads of different types of like engaging with the public. There are tricks, uh, yeah, but it's less of like sassy, sexy movement. I would say something that seems to be a bit of a conflict in like pole stripper world is thinking about the respectability politics of what is on stage and you were saying for example in uh, a a theater performance or you know a stage performance the like the wow moves and things are what people like but that's not what makes money in a club necessarily no one cares if you can do like an Aisha or a Jade split it's like yeah it's a different way of thinking yeah it's totally and um I've met so many women in my life and I've met dancers who could just walk around the ball in such an astonishing way that I would never be able to copy it. And it wasn't mm. a kind of like a thing of uh, being like athletic because they didn't have like athletic bodies, for example, but they just had this kind of like magic and this kind of like weird thing because they were like doing like one or two steps around the pole but it was like such a significant movement and was just walking around the pole. And you can think it's nothing, but you can just hypnotize audience with that in strip club, you know, very easily. If you know how to do it, like it doesn't take much to, you know, grab an attention and interest from the customer. You just need to know how to click. And yes, you can be amazing pole dancer and people will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great show. Wow, girl. Then you go off the stage and people are like, no, thanks. I don't want to have a dance. I will go with her because, you know, bigger boobs or I don't know. She's more my type, you know. And yeah, like uh, like stripping is absolutely not about uh, pole dancing tricks. But I think everyone, everyone, maybe not. But most people like from the industry, like everyone in the industry knows it. <laughs> but people out of the industry, they think it's more about, you know, uh sport abilities but it is funny and it is misleading because on every website when i was googling clubs in london like literally there was like you don't want you don't know how to dance we will teach you we have regular you know classes for dancers like not classes they say like trainings like we have a person who will train you like seriously and i was like wow really and then I remember it was only one uh, club and I think it was Sophisticates when they literally had a manager and choreographer at the same time. But the guy was just teaching the girls how to come on stage and appear in, you know, nice kind of like shape and in right order. And that's it. It was more kind of like visual as sort of how to present yourself, not how to do the pulse tricks. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> It's completely bullshit. <laughs> Nobody cares yeah. if you're a good pole dancer or not. <laughs> <laughs> As a performer in any situation, what do you enjoy the most about pole? I guess it it doesn't have to be the pole. Like in my case, it's a pole, right? But I think like being a performer and having your own act, your own thing, in my case, it's just like having this, this moment when you just come into the stage and you do whatever you want like because I look on the performance from the surface of like whole act so if I would be good in like gymnastic I guess I wouldn't need to pull because I'm doing like freaky stuff with my body um so it's easier for me to tell what I like most about having my own act and performance and being on stage um so uh, I definitely love attention as all performance <laughs> uh, but I love just coming out and just doing uh doing like presenting myself in like different shades and engaging with the audience so it's like 
I entertain them. Uh, I want something from them. Like, you know, I want their cheers. I want their vows. Wows, vows as well. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I need somebody on stage. I need somebody to, you know, say like, yes, go on, do it, you know. And I like this kind of like interaction. And I think like when I'm dancing, you know, um, again, doesn't matter what type of dance it is. It's just like I'm doing this uh, myself with my body. It's just like this whole um, visual I have of you know having a performance it's just like coming together as what excites me and um yeah i think about the performing and having your own act uh, the best is just just this energy and maybe the most important thing is like the joy it gives me like the happiness because i love dancing but you know same time i love dancing like on the parties like on techno race when i just go on the rave i can just have like three drinks maximum and i can like dance all night and i'm having so much energy and i know maybe maybe it's just like chemistry in your brain maybe there are just endorphins but probably it's like a little bit of everything <laughs> Yeah, this is so cool. I want to like ask you one more question sure. about this specifically and then we'll talk about politics. But as you were saying, when you're thinking of an act and it's all coming together, is there like um, a step-by-step process when you're thinking about it? Like, does it start with your costume? Does it start with a song? Does it start with mm-hmm. some dance moves you have in your head? Yeah. Um, or is it different every single time? Yeah, it's, it's always like this in my case. Uh, firstly, there's a music and there's a particular track. Uh, and then then comes the vision. <laughs> and I usually imagine like picture or like um, something that I unfortunately don't have on stage because I very rarely have some things like visuals like on uh, screen. I actually never had them, although I had ideas uh, about the picture. Um, but then with the uh, music comes the movement. So I imagine, for example, particular tricks on this and that moment um, at the very end or maybe the same time there is a costume. Um, Usually it changes uh, the more I listen to music and getting creative with my um, choreography because I, for example, realize that I can have this type of skirt because I won't have enough time to take it off or the fabric will be bad. So I know I cannot do dance in latex, for example. Um, and then at the end, there is like cutting music off because I usually know which part of music I need Um very rarely I'm dancing to one full track with like full six minutes and you know like techno music is usually like long so you need to edit it and cut in pieces um but yeah it's a track movement costume um yeah <laughs> I love asking dancers about this so much because everyone is different like really? for you it seems yeah so for example for you and um uh, a dancer called Arlene Caffrey, an Irish dancer. You both said the music is obviously the starting point. Kitty Velour, she starts with a color. Like really? she's thinking of, yeah, wow. she's thinking of like green and then builds from there. And then is obviously it's not like rigid every time. And then completely the opposite. Um, my friend Kelly, who is more kind of circus background, for her, it's like a list of tricks and then she finds the yeah. other things. So it's just so interesting how people's personalities yeah. define totally. how it all comes together. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you have done so many cool and interesting things. It was quite hard to narrow down this interview to all the different things yeah. I could ask you. So. I guess let's start at the beginning. How did political activism become part of your life? Okay, so it started in 2016 in Poland when uh, right-wing government won the election earlier, earlier and uh, they wanted to make a complete ban on abortion. And we mm-hmm. had first um, forms of like Facebook groups called Dwuchy, uh, which is like Polish kind of folk work for girls. And we formed... Uh, groups of like um we formed groups on facebook to bring people together on strike in different cities on the same day so we're striking for abortion and you know uh rights to it and opposing the ban 
So that's how the movement started. And it was the same year when I moved to London and I just uh, found the branch of this uh, feminist group in London. So I was politically involved with them. Uh, and we're creating events. We were uh, going to like panel discussions with Festival of Choice, all of that. And uh, year later, I uh, joined Is London Strippers Collective, which was like mind blowing because how is that a stripper? I mean, strippers <laughs> can have some sort of like collective and, you know, mm. like literally like work in the surface in the cities, like throwing parties panel discussions, live drawing, you know, speaking with people like, wow. But, you know, I was mm. in London, so I was discovering uh, the city still. And then a year later, um, the Union for Sex Workers was formed with the branch uh, United Voices of the World and other um, feminist organizations like Women's Strike, Cross Project, Tech Cream Now, and Elisti um, was also involved. Could we talk about United Voices of the World? So you were involved with the East London Strippers Collective. And then is it through there that you found United Voices of the World and started organizing with them? Yeah, so Elisti uh, made a public uh, post on social media that there is a meeting for sex workers and strippers. And uh, we are planning to uh, create some sort of... Uh, I'm not sure if the union was uh, already like... Uh, I'm not sure if the word union was already there in the post, but anyway, uh, it was information that we're going to just stand against the bosses, mean clubs who want to, you know, uh, take our rights and um, going to just, you know, start fighting. <laughs> and then on the first meeting, um, we were informed that um, we want to have like a network of uh, first strippers because they are mostly outed, let's say, uh, in front of the whole society. Their jobs are uh, the least stigmatized and um, we can we can literally say that the jobs of strippers are mostly socially respected than any other form of uh, sex work. Do you mean this in terms of hierarchy? Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, also domination and BDSM stuff are quite like respected because, you know, ooh, it takes balls to be a dominatrix. And, you know, like uh, full body uh, sex workers and escorts are usually mostly looked down. Uh, so we wanted to start with the strippers because they have uh, like uh, the most like voices and they were always already like visible in the society. I wanted to start organizing with them. And uh, the purpose was to get the workers rights because all of the clubs are hiring girls uh, as uh, self-employed or independent contractors. Problem and paradox uh, are that the contracts are usually telling you what are the rules you need to follow to work in the venue. Um, I know, how do you need to look like? Uh, what type of hair do you need to have? Uh, dress code, how many times during the night you need to dance? Uh, how many shifts per week you need to work, what days in a month, uh, when you can take the day off. So they build all of these uh, demands on the contract, but at the end of the contract, they tell you, you are self-employed, so you do your own tax, fuck off. Um, so in fact, this is like, first of all, like paradox and misleading from the legal, like law point of view, because uh, the contract is a pure, like workers' rights contract. Um, and when you are a worker, you are entitled to the minimum wage, holiday, uh, holiday pay, sick pay, maternity leave, rights to unionize. And you're obviously like protected if you are whistleblowed or, you know, being fired from the club. And all of this stuff are literally lost when you are a self-independent, I mean, self-independent, self, yeah, self-independent contractor. Yeah. And so we wanted to explain to dancers that they are already having the rights. It's just piece of paper that claims something else and the bosses could tell them that they need to take care of themselves in terms of taxes and stuff, which is not true because the clubs owe us. 
you know, it's like strippers run the business. Without our money, there is no money for the security, for the bar, for the staff, for the venue. Like we pay house fees, uh, which are the money that the self-independent contractors need to pay to the owner for like hiring the venue to perform the services. So, you know, with the house fee, which is like 20 pounds to 100 pounds per shift, they make money to pay the rent. They make money to pay everyone in this job and also have some nice savings and, you know, holiday in Honolulu. Uh, but then it said that uh, actually the dancers should be grateful to the, you know, bosses because they hire them and stuff. It's a kind of like, you know, uh, idea that they're the bosses. They have to be right. And we are like low and we have like no rights. We cannot like go against them. Um, so we're trying to persuade that this is not right. And we're trying to get more strippers in the union. And I was trying to recruit uh, the girls in the place I used to work. Uh, we're throwing the events. Uh, we're like running social media, regular meetings. So we are gathering bigger and bigger group of uh, sex workers from like different industries. But we're like focusing firstly on strippers to start a revolution with them. And uh, it was fun as well because uh, we were uh, like, uh, yeah, we we're throwing parties when we were like performing or having some social events or like sort of workshops where we could just learn from each other. And um, so it was, it was amazing time. And I've met so many uh, great people. It's really great to hear you talk so positively about the organizing being fun because I think an impression that a lot of people have about activism is it's boring people sitting in a bright mm. lit room on chairs and it's always one guy who's talking about Marx or whatever and it's really dry. Whereas what you described is like organizing shows together and creating those social relationships yeah. so people feel like they're part of a community yeah, and totally. that they matter. I wanted to ask, because you mentioned it as kind of a joke earlier, that when you arrived in London and you found the ELSC, you were like, what? Strippers are organizing? That it was kind of a surprise. Um, Sorry if I didn't understand that right. No, correct. Have you ever found it's... Oh, because that, I mean, for me, it seemed a little bit like a contradiction as well, that um, partly in a workplace that is so capitalist and so much of stripping is like hustle culture, you know, we're here to make money, blah, blah, blah. It seems a little bit contradictory to then be thinking about union organizing and bringing these people together to even think like, oh, I'm a worker. I'm not just like a hustle bitch. I'm a worker. Do you ever find that's a challenge with trying to bring new dancers and oh, sex yeah, workers definitely. into these communities? Definitely. That's why I absolutely, I, I didn't bring, I think, a single girl from the venue I used to work because everyone was like, so like, uh, uh, like literally self-aware and 100% sure that they've got nothing to say and that, you know, declaring anything well, not even like declaring anything like in public, but, you know, starting organizing or something, it will just go in vain and won't bring any efforts. And, you know, houses will always stay, you know, nothing will change. And besides, it's good the way it is. Like, you know, like it doesn't matter if sometimes you need to pay house fee and you've got no earnings and you need to pay from your wallet. You know, you will make up some Saturday when bullshit you know like you can mm. I know break your leg on Saturday and they will tell you if you're not gonna come to work you'll get a fine and bite you know and then you get this fine because you cannot work so you know um but coming just um uh, before to what you said about my you know excitement and being so surprised with London it's just like you need to mark that I came from Paula and like like literally <laughs> for me like London was a new world and of course I was aware about uh, the culture and the differences but still the openness about uh striptease about even like stupid pole dancing that was in the universities I remember I took um um I was participating in um, like pole dancing competitions between universities because I was studying at UCL at that time. And when I found out they had the gym and regular classes from pole dancing at fucking university, I was like, Jesus, like, you know, Poland is a literal like middle age. It's just, it's just nothing can compare, seriously. Uh, that's why I was so wowed. Because even if I saw the way the dancers were dancing, which was much more sexual, you know, much more uh, of uh, booty shaking, twerking, or sexual gestures, when even 
it, you know, now I do it as well. But, you know, for some dancers and strippers here in Poland, that may be like, uh, like they, they, they may be like prudent, like literally because they were like, oh my God, that's, that's too much in this dancing. You know, you can be sexy, but, you know, like have some limits. <laughs> um, you were asking something about uh, politics and Marx and activists being boring. Well, you know, there are people like this, but I think like you cannot expect something like that from sex workers because they are like... Uh, kind of like entertaining people themselves, I feel. Of course, we have like introverts and stuff and not everyone will be like, you know, coming to the events or whatever. Uh, but uh, we, you know, have this kind of like energy, I guess. Like, at, at least this is what I felt being in the union. Uh, we obviously had some tensions as well, you know, sometimes when we wanted like to do things differently and we need to vote, you know, and then there was our argument because there was like, you know, no, this is a bad idea. And we were against, uh, but democracy wins. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think... Um, it's definitely differently organizing with sex workers than organizing with feminists. I can tell. Uh, feminists mm. that I used to work in London and I still do. Um, you know, it, it just depends on what we do in life, I guess. One final question on this. I noticed well so from my own experience I was working in a club where I met another girl who was in UVW and we connected and we were talking about other stuff as well and um you know she was like showing me the whatsapp things and she was like yeah I know we need to do this but I don't need this at the moment I need more clients you know like that's what that's what I need and I think um yeah it seems like quite a big like concept shift to get strippers are the sex workers who I know the most personally through like friendship groups. And I can't claim to understand the experience of a full service sex worker or a dom or anything. It's just not something that I've had in contact with. But my my feeling is that many people are in sex work, stripping, the more like informal industries because they don't want to think I'm a worker. They want to think that they're doing something different. So it seems like quite a challenge to then come back and say, no, 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 for your rights, for your safety, for your, like what you were saying, if you break your leg on stage so that you have some protections, you need to think of yourself as a worker for your own safety. How do you have those conversations with people? So we were given... um special training uh, from the union, how to start the conversation so you don't actually scare somebody straight away talking about politics and some responsibilities you need to have when you join the union. Like, I don't know, paying seven pounds per month or for, you know, membership, uh, which is nothing, of course. And uh, at some level, be involved with the community because you don't need to come to every event, of course, and you don't need to, you know, put up the strike. Uh, but of course, some help and some attention will be kind of needed, you know. So it, it, it is a lot, of, a lot of work in the union. And uh, I gave up a lot of my social life for uh, activism because I kind of needed it. And I got this kind of like feeling like if you need to change something and you really care about it, you just need to do it about you just need to do it yourself. Um, so conversation yeah there are like special methods how to how to you know get to the point not too fast not too slow and how to get their attention but usually the thing and the reply I um got so the, the first thing was like the fear and the reply was like yeah things things won't change and you know I'm good where I am but they think uh the biggest factor was that they were just like so convinced that uh, the bosses own them and the bosses own everything. And uh, also the argument was that they will lose the freedom. And uh, there was um, there was an argument that uh, being a worker, you lose the freedom to book uh, holidays whenever you want. Uh, well, you can be a worker and you can be an independent contractor at the same time. So you can join those two things in UK and uh, you can still book your holidays whenever you want. But in fact, even if you are working all this as the self-employed independent contractor, yeah, and you want to be away for a month, you still need to 
speak about this with the bosses and not a day before you go, but like a few months before you go. Because they will always need to figure out if you can go, because if the period is right, if they have enough dancers, if, for example, I know there will be no private or special event and the customers won't specifically you, you know, uh, there's loads of shit in this industry. For example, in one club, girls have to pay for every single shift they miss when they're away on holidays. It's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, it's like the opposite of holiday pay. It's holiday having to finance yeah, it yourself. That's yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, you need to be like very patient when you speak with other people. You need to stop like, um, you kind of like insist too much. I mean, I feel hopeful about it because I've seen people then get really politically active and there's that quote from revolting prostitutes of it takes two minutes to politicize a hooker because sex work is so political but yeah it seems like a fine art to have that conversation like <laughs> totally <laughs> to ask about one particular action which is this success story that you had in 2020 of winning a case in employment law against your employer could you tell me the story sure so i lost my job as a stripper in a club in 2018 i've been working in that club for a year there were actually two venues run by the same person so um as i was fired before christmas which was like the worst period because Christmas time when other venues don't hire any new girls because they're always full. And then also January, nobody hires new girls because there is no customers. Uh, I was like very desperate to find like different job, but also like to, you know, maybe get the job back. So I went to union and um, in union, we have free uh, legal advice. And I was told that I could just open a law case about the worker status because from the um, from the perspective of the law, the contract I had was like paradoxical. So uh, I could, I should, I should be paid my holiday pay and sick pay. Um, so we opened the lawsuit. Uh, first, we of course wanted to get a settlement, but they refused, saying that I was self-employed, and they insisted. Uh, so in 2020. Yeah, literally after like a year and uh, four months of, you know, building the whole case. Damn, that was stressing. <laughs> I, I got fucking insomnia because of that, which was my nightmare for like next, like, you know, months of like 2020 oh, God. and 2021. Yeah, seriously. And um, the... The hearing happened in February and our evidence from both sides, uh, from the club perspective and me as a worker, dancer, uh, was the contract. So we were saying hmm. she was uh, she was a worker because the contract says this, this and that. And she was doing this, this and that. And they were trying to uh, say, no, she was self-employed because, you know, reality she was also performing in different venues same time she was a dancer later on so she was doing different jobs same time so she wasn't working only in our venue uh while in fact when i was working in their venue i uh actually have only like three gigs and parties i was performing at i actually started my career career lol <laughs> no I, I started my dream career we can say as a performer in london like in 2019 when i had time so so the case uh was quite simple and my lawyer was just excellent and basically the boss replying the questions to my lawyer persuaded the judge that indeed I was a worker because quoting how could I have time uh, to work in other venues when I was working at her club indeed <laughs> so uh, that was quite uh, funny and very satisfying to uh, seeing this uh, ship being uh, sinking down because <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it was a very stressful moment for me and my lawyers from the very beginning and the union were 100% sure, well, 100%. We were very confident that they were going to win. And we did. And because this case was public, which means my name and surname, uh, the case wasn't anonymous and everyone could come to the hearing. 
when we want it, we could tell about it in newspapers and everywhere. And, you know, the judgment is uh, free online to look up and to see the whole verdict. And so um, it was a change to the society of sex workers and the whole branch because uh, it was actually the first time that the sex worker, a stripper, was actually called a worker, not a self-independent contractor. Therefore, we recognize that our job is a job and uh, we mm. stand on the same level as a person who works in hospitality or in the hospital or, I don't know, is a fitness instructor full-time, yeah? And mm. uh, we deserve the same rights as other people and also same respect. You mentioned that one aspect of this case is that your legal name was going to be all over this paperwork. It was obviously in the media, you know, you weren't using a pseudonym. Um, was that something that created anxiety because that's there forever? Or was that important for you that this was documented truthfully so people could people could contact you to see who you were and talk about it? Like, what? how did you feel about it? Well, I, I didn't think about it in terms of like me being like uh, responsible for something or, you know, uh, you know, like, first of all, the only thing was like, uh, that came to my head, do I want to hide with the fact that I'm a stripper? And because I was already like outed in social media and I was engaging in public events and I was talking about my job openly. And that time I was thinking, I'm not going to go back to Poland. Like, you know, like, fuck this. And then also uh, Shiri, the member of UVW, told me, if you like go on the public hearing and people know your name and you win you will be also like the first stripper who made a worker status and you will just like give examples to others so you know people will follow and you know it will be good it will be like open to the public and I was like okay yeah it was like quick quick decision mm. which is you know I I just have like this two thoughts about the stigma potential stigma that can touch me and the thing that I will be you know um recognized but then I was like okay I'm just moving to Poland but then things changed um but um, I guess uh, what was stressful is that when we were just building up the case, there was like a lot of like random phone calls and uh, a lot of like uh, from the lawyer with the information. And we've got this, you need to check this. Okay, they said that. And, you know, like what was the most stressful is that uh, I was doing like day job uh, in 2019 and it was like a boring office job, but I was also doing performing that time. And then like every week I was getting many random calls from my lawyer saying, look, we need to check this. We need to meet up to prepare this and that. When you're going to be on court, the speech, da, 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 da. And, you know, in my head, I just kind of imagined that I'm going to be crushed in the court by some, I don't know, magical mean evidence against me you're gonna present me as some sort of I don't know mean person who wanted to rob everyone in the place or I don't know you know like I, I was just stressed because I you know I've never been in the court so um <laughs> probably you know closer to case um because my insomnia started like September uh might be the anxiety and the stress that just got into me that deprived me uh of sleep and later on, I had some um, problems with that because I unfortunately had to move Poland. And, you know, it was all about the case already in media. But, you know, in Poland, nobody knew, you know, just some fellow sex workers, friends from Facebook. Uh, but I was really afraid that at some point I won't be able to uh, get a job. Fortunately, I found a job in call center. Fortunately, things turned out well because I settled down in Krakow and, you know, everything is cool. I'm back in the industry. I'm doing stripping and domination. So, uh, you know, like at, at, at the end of the day, uh, this turned out uh, pretty good. Thank you for being honest about that because you're obviously putting yourself at personal risk in some ways, like you were saying with long-term considerations of, okay, if I wanted to work in a bank in five years time or whatever, just thinking about what people will find if they Google me. And that seems like something that a lot of activists from stigmatized professions really have to think about because obviously wanting to be 
not like a role model necessarily, but wanting to show change and participate in the broader struggle and be visible is an amazing thing to do to elevate the voice of a community and get get things on the radar this is exactly what I did in Poland so you know I was like okay like we have like sex work community over here we have some collectives we have people doing certain jobs to fight the stigma like I'm gonna join them and uh, you know I gave a few interviews uh, to Polish media I was on some podcasts and we also with the collective sex work Polska gave uh, interview to one of kind of like big newspapers in Poland so this is what I kind of like continue to do and the thing you said that you need to kind of like stand your ground and you know just uh, get used to environment and also like still educate but without this kind of like fear uh what if because when I started when I got a job in call center I was like okay like they cannot fire me because I was a stripper because if they do I'm gonna sue them like seriously <laughs> like like <laughs> they cannot and you know I started doing my own thing and then and uh, I still try to do as much as I can. But uh, yeah, Polish society, it's completely different fairy tale. For you, what do you think the challenges are of joining the dots and connecting sex worker activism to the more general political and social justice movements? I think the biggest challenge is to persuade people that it is about the politics at the very end. And... Uh, that you, you cannot be in the center, you cannot be in the liberal movement when it comes to this uh, job. Like it's gonna be like like socialism and some social justice <laughs> and uh, left wing uh, fem- feminism movements that you know uh, don't tell you that female body can only um, be either a strong independent woman. CEO, single or single mother, uh, but not a sex worker because that is too much and that is degradating. Because, you know, you have left-wing feminists like this, radical feminists, uh, who will tell you that actually, you know, sex work is something uh, disgusting, disgracing, and uh, shouldn't be a job, cannot be considered and should be forbidden. Um, Mm. But I guess it's also part of, conservative thinking which is just uh rooted in rooted in um in patriarchal thinking as well and it's just like uh like those people those feminists and car are kind of victims of the patriarchal society it's a very frustrating thing that in the uk for example with a big problem that's happening with the closure of strip clubs in Bristol it is Labour Party women and left-wing feminists who are the most anti-sex worker and it's frustrating as you were saying to not be joining the dots on this and being like no no no, this is patriarchy that is affecting all of us and why are we dividing ourselves and fighting within that exactly Pole dancer or not a pole dancer, everyone, what can everybody do to help the fight for sex worker rights? Definitely um, support DECREAM, uh, which is a um, politic, uh, political mode that says that places and third persons who help or let you work are not penalized. So it means I can work in an agency, I can work in a brothel and my boss is not committing a crime. And that way more people get a safe work. And if something happens also in the work, uh, they can obviously call police, go to the hospital, say what happened, describe the situation, which they cannot do now because, um, yeah, it's illegal to work in an agency. Um, so the I just had to give this example in case some people don't know what the decree means. So if mm. you want to like, you know, uh, help uh, fighting the trafficking, which so many people is against, and protect and help sex workers, definitely uh, opt for decree and um, show your solidarity for that. Uh, speak with... Uh, 
friends and I don't know, I guess everyone has in their ear social circles, a person who worked or is still working in the industry, but they're just like afraid to come out. You know, I got to create myself about different jobs and accept that, uh, you know, working in the industry is nothing offensive, nothing disgraceful. And just try to speak with your friends to, you know, start discussions uh, with them to educate each other. And then, of course, listen to sex workers. So everything we are saying, it's from our experience, from our knowledge, and we're the best people to listen to because we are fighting to be accepted by the society and we are fighting for changing the law. Uh, So, of course, we are right. (laughs) Simple as that. For people who are organizing at whatever level of intensity or in whatever area who are maybe feeling a bit disappointed or cynical or they've had disappointments, they feel overwhelmed, whatever, how would you encourage people to keep going? Well, they need to take rest, (laughs) that's the thing. Uh, (laughs) Well, there is, um, like, in my activism life, I've got, like, many burnouts, but then I'm telling my community, listen guys I'm off I can't do this anymore I need to just like take a few days or even a few weeks off like I'm not gonna I don't know run social media I'm not gonna come to the meetings don't message me for example until there is something urgent you know you literally Mm. need to load your batteries and just you know turn off your brain uh because it is a lot and it's some pressure so and it's just like it's very emotional for me as well so uh apart from you know many things you need to do you know it's also at some level you know psychologically a bit draining you know it's a lot of like communication with too many people sometimes and a lot of responsibilities uh so you know just take your break and then just come back to the game that's it and i think it always works but you need to really listen to your body and when you've got this feeling that you need to stop just stop and just don't try to push yourself that you know there's another meeting another event whatever like those things will be keep coming keep going where can people find you online and is there anything else that you would like to amplify or promote uh yeah fact patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, pay sex workers and give good uh, tips and you know pay for your porn and uh, yeah uh, get interest in politics and uh, be rather left-wing from uh, my perspective and you can find me on instagram and facebook uh, with handle i'm your electric girl uh, got Twitter, uh, but actually I run it in Polish, but you can translate stuff. Uh, it's Electric Girl 666. What else? Well, most of it's pinned to my Instagram because uh, there are all links to like interviews and you can find about Union, you can find about the case, you can find about Sex for Polska, you can find out about the events. Uh, so I link all the resources uh, there. So I guess Instagram is the best. Thank you so much. No worries. Pull the Other One was produced and hosted by me, Shandoxy, with original music by Amelia Baylor. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com shandoxy. You can buy the pot a coffee or give us a shout out on social media. Thank you. That is mega appreciated. Also, if any of these conversations inspire you to take a pole class or to get on stage, please tag us in your videos using the handle at PollTheOtherOne, plus whichever guest it was who got you on the hot rod. That would make our lives. Thanks for listening, have fun on all your sexy stick adventures, and see you later. Po, 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 the other one.